Get ready, loosen those vocals up, Tubbs. Here it comes. An Australia without rugby league is not Australia. There's McCabe Diva. A nation roars for a hero. Freeman's got work to do here. A drop for Kewell. He's got it. He's got the field goal. He's got the premiership. Who would have thought the sequel would be just as good as the original? You're listening to the Crowd Catch. Buckle up as we dive in to all things sport. Yes, hello to whoever you are from wherever you are. You are indeed listening to the crowd catch, although you probably already know that if you if you clicked on this episode, so thanks for doing that. Um, we have a massive episode planned for you today. Um, there's plenty going on with finals footy right around the corner, already happening in, in the AFL. If you're an Essendon fan, commiserations. Uh, if you're an Eels fan, congratulations. Great win over the weekend. But let me introduce my, my co-host for you, uh, Jack Howard and Zachary Gates. How are you boys doing? Doing very well, thank you, mate. Yeah, can't complain, mate. I've been handing out high fives left, right and centre for the Knights five in a row. Yeah, I know Knights fans are all cheering at the moment. They got that that seventh spot locked up. It's a big week in rugby league with the eighth uh, still on the line and the mighty green machine. A chance to sneak in there. Oh, most certainly is. Should be a cracking round of footy. Uh, people who don't like the top eight, um, eat your heart out because, um, you know, it's much more entertaining than the top of the competition at the moment with um, players rested left, right and centre. So thank God there is a top eight because it makes for a really entertaining final round. Well, it goes to show, doesn't it, that um, the NRL is not only about uh, awarding consistency in finals fever um, once he gets to the finals but it, it's all it's all about what it's it's also about what's exciting for the fans I mean the Raiders have been terrible this year and the Sharks have been terrible yet with one round to go they could both make it to the finals no big time look you even see it in England you know you've got 20 teams playing and although there's only one title race you then have the race for the top four, which is spots for Europe, then the race for the next two, which is spots for the Europa League. And then, of course, the relegation league, which is the bottom three. And, of course, because your bottom five or six teams don't accumulate many points throughout the season, that's always a tight race itself. So uh, it, it makes for a much more en- interesting season. And um, it doesn't matter if your team's coming first or 20th. There's some type of excitement to buy into. Uh, speaking of English football, fellas, that's my what caught my eye for the week. Cristiano Ronaldo coming home. Uh, what more do you need to say? One of the uh, biggest news is in world football. Of course, we heard that Messi was going uh, and went to Paris a couple of weeks ago. And then not only the fact that Ronaldo is going back to United, but how it unfolded with Manchester City look home and hosed. To get his autograph, um, United fans were disgusted. And in the 11th hour, and I'm sure Sir Alex Ferguson would have had a hand uh, in in getting his son back to Manchester United. But uh, I believe it also broke the record for the most liked sporting post on Instagram. Yeah, it's absolutely massive news, Renato. And we're on the same track here, Jack, because it's also caught my eye this week. Um, I've just got a little bit here about how much he's getting paid and it blew my mind. He's getting 900, this is in Australian dollars. I did the conversions from pounds. Uh, so 910K a week, which almost a million dollars a week. Uh, and then the transfer fee was $46 million. It's absolutely incredible. It makes him the highest paid player at United right now. Um, so he goes straight to the top. Um, and it's pretty amazing, you know, considering he debuted there when he was 18. Uh, and here he is, 36, and he's come back as, you know, one of the biggest players in the world, straight to the top of their highest paid list. But I tell you what, 910k a week, I don't know how you'd spend that money. Oh, I do. <laughs> it's a fairy tale finish, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it is. And it just would have been wrong. If he went to the city, uh, so yeah, really good to see that United have got it. Just as a you know, as a, a mutual fan, I'm happy he went back and is, will be wearing the red U Manchester strip instead of the blue one. Hmm. Well, boys, what caught my eye was um, another overseas sports star uh, by the name of Dale Stain. He uh, hasn't. 
played an international match since I think February 2020 when he played at, um, a T20 in, an, uh, a T20 international. He hasn't played a test match since 2019, but um, this week he's officially announced his retirement from all forms of the game and what a career he had. We're crunching the stats. Um, from his 93 test matches, he had a strike rate of 42.3, which is absolutely incredible. Um, only five men in test history have a lower strike rate than him. He's played more matches than all of them. And of every, uh, every bowler who's taken 250 or more test wickets, he has the lowest strike rate. Three, uh, you, you chuck in um, 26 fivers and an average of 22.95. Absolutely incredible, incredible career. But of course, the thing with Dale Stane is um, his greatness extends far beyond his stats. Um, he was so tenacious. He was... Such a relentless competitor, wasn't he? And I think everyone loved his glare down the pitch at um, the batsman at the crease, and he, you know, his chainsaw celebration and his how um, the passion with which he would scream when he'd when the umpire's finger would go up or when he'd rip through a batsman's uh, when he when he'd um, um, crush a bat, crush a batsman's stumps. Um, just played with so much passion, and that's the thing that I'll always remember. Yeah, absolute legend and uh, an awesome character as well. I have uh, fond memories of watching him on the boundary in the 2015 World Cup, and it wasn't long after the movie Blended had been released by Adam Sandler. Of course, Dale Stein makes a cameo in that, and uh, the crowd was giving it to him about how they thought the movie Blended was shit, and he turned around and agreed with them. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, look, uh, I think... For myself personally, is the best fast bowler I've had the pleasure of watching his full career of. Um, you know, I only caught the back end of you know your Glenn McGraths and whatnot, but yeah, incredible bowler and just the perfect action. If I was going to be teaching my kid how to bowl quick, um, I'd be getting out the Dale Stain tapes, that's for sure. But look, we've all been in agreement for the what caught our eyes, which is a little bit weird. So maybe we should flip it and get into this one, fellas. Big shout out to the Dune Rats for bringing us in. Uh, great band, great intro for our song. They wrote that specifically for us. So um, great blokes, the Dune Rats. Uh, but you all know what happens in this segment. We'll fire up a question and discuss and usually butt some heads. So I'll kick us off. Uh, first, um, it made plenty of shockwaves around the NRL community in the last week. Uh, the proposed rule change where if you kick a ball and it goes out, the um, defending team gets a seven-tackle set. It used to be a scrum, now it's a play the ball, and they want it to be a seven-tackle set now. What do you reckon, boys? Red light, green light? Uh, I'll go straight away, mate. Red light. Um, don't like the idea of it. It's, the game's fast enough already. Um, you know, I put the brakes on. But also, I don't like the idea of constant rule changes. Um, so uh, I think with the amount of changes the game's seen over the last two to three years... I don't think there should be any new rules for a couple of years just to let everyone just ingest what, what has been brought in. And if there were to be new rules, you'd, you'd hope they're good rules. And as far as I'm concerned, that's a shit rule. Yeah, I am. Um, I totally agree with you, mate. I'm a, I'm a big fat red light for this one. Um, I think the game is already incredibly fast and the game has already changed so much from you know what it used to be. And I think... You know, if you introduce this, it takes so much time management out of the game. I think one of one of the most satisfying things you used to see in rugby league, you know, maybe five years ago before all these changes, is the team kicking it long and deep when the match is in the balance, the ball rolling over the sideline and they take their time to set the scrum. Like, that's gamesmanship. That's time management. It's not, you know, it's not boring. You know, if that's your team doing that. You're cheering them on. You feel a little bit better about the next five minutes and, you get they're giving the big boppers a rest too, aren't you? When they're sucking in the big ones. Yeah, exactly. Like it's time management, it's gamesmanship. It was part of the game, and you know they pretty much got rid of that completely already. Now that it's just you know bring it back in for a play of the ball, play the ball when you're ready. But if you were to give the opposing team an advantage, make them 
seven tackles, you'd almost be inclined to try keep the ball in at all times without, you know, kicking it out. And it'd just be, it'd just be crazy. Like it wouldn't be rugby league. It'd be so much closer to touch. Um, so I'm, I'm a big fat no for this one. I really hope it doesn't go through. I don't think it is. I think um, Wayne Pierce has lost his job over it or going to lose his job over it because of the amount of backlash. But um, yeah, look, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. And I, I agree with what you said, Jack, like, I think we should just let all the changes that we have now settle for a bit and just let the game develop. The NRL has swung too much towards quickening up the game and, um, and looking after, you know, giving the smaller creative players more of a go. I remember when we were kids, right, um, the, game, the game was obviously a lot slower. And I remember a lot of the talk around was, you know, giving, yeah, when we were kids, giving... Jonathan Thurston, um, more of a chance, giving Preston Campbell more of a chance, giving um, you know, Benji Marshall, these smaller, more creative players, a chance, right? Um, Brent Sherwin. But um, now it's, it's swung too much in the direction of, of giving these smaller, creative players more of a chance. And, and the big blokes are suffering. I mean, you look at, was it in 2016 or around about then when interchanges were reduced to only 10? Per match, and now you've got six again for ruck infringements and ten meters. Now they want to bring in this seven tackle set. Um, Christian Welsh hit hit the nail on the head. I'm not sure if you boys saw that social media post, but if you haven't, go and look at his Instagram. He hit it on the nail. He hit the nail on the head. One of the smartest plays in the competition. I know he's got um, a business degree at Harvard or something like that. Go and look at what he had to say. Not as smart as Tommy Turbo getting a. Um... <laughs> 94 in FIFA last week for intelligence, though, I'm sure. But, yeah, look, we're all in agreement on that one. So we might have to move on. Zachary, you usually split the verdict. What's yours this week? Well, um, I'm not sure how many articles you've seen put out by Wide World of Sports and Fox Sports, mainly those two, I'd say, um, on the Latrell Manu high hit on Joey Manu, but it's just been absolutely relentless. Um, it's, it's given me an, an, a bit of an eye-opener in my relatively new job. It's just how relentless digital media is. Um, we're getting every drop of juice out of it. But my question is, should the seriousness of injury be taken into account by the match review committee and judiciary? Um, look, my question is going to be similar in a second. So... That will give you a better idea of how I'm feeling with this answer. Um, maybe. Um, I, I think of the Latrell one, and I think, no, accidents happen in a game of footy. Unlucky, but that's footy. Uh, if you're going to start charging people for injuries they cause, then, um, you know, there'll be scope for somebody putting on a big hit and somebody, you know, doing their ankle in the tackle and trying to link the two together and whatnot. So I really think, no. But then I keep being drawn back to when we saw Curtis Scott go up and punch Dylan Walker in the face and he ruptured his eye socket. And Walker was out for however many weeks. Um, In that case, you'd feel pretty ordinary if the bloke who purposefully punched somebody in the face gets off scot-free and the other bloke is on the sideline for eight weeks. So um, it is a no, but potentially wouldn't mind looking at something like if it's a striking charge, then potential. Right. So what you're saying, I get the feeling that you think um, the Latrell hit wasn't intentional. You, you agree that it was uh, reckless? Yeah. I, I, I think reckless is a bit of a stretch, to be honest with you, mate, but definitely not intentional. So so careless? Not overly, no. And so what you're saying really, Jack, is... Um, in a nutshell, how I deduct from that is if it's deliberate, you take into account the serious of the seriousness of injury. If it's not, you don't. Yeah. Look, look, let's, let's face it without a doubt, without a shadow of doubt. Um, look on the, on the field, they were so soft about it. I mean, Henry, Henry Perinara, who was axed for uh, the Eels, um, storm game and who hasn't got a gig for this week, again, 
he didn't know what was going on and didn't um, take any action until Manu was up in Latrell's face and it blew up and he thought, oh, something must have gone on. Sinbin uh, should have been probably should have been a, a send off. A lot of agree with that, but um, the <clears throat> let's let's face it, the the match review committee and um, yeah, the match review committee probably looked looked at Joey Manu's face and looked at the images from on his Instagram of his post and thought, Gee, look at his eye, that his face looks absolutely terrible. They heard about what kind of injury it was, fractured cheekbone, and they thought. We better throw the book at Latrell. Yeah, well, I think I think it's impossible to not consider an injury when you're looking at suspensions. Like I would like to say, no, the injury won't matter, but I think you know it does, and I think it's impossible not to consider the injury. You know, if if it's a high tackle and you know it's just a rule book high tackle, players not hurt you know, then charge them as they're due. But if it's a high tackle and, you know, the player, you know, fractures his cheekbone or gets a serious concussion or something bad, like they're going to consider that. That's just how it works. And it'd be hard not to if you're there reviewing the tackle and you say like, you know, maybe you're saying, oh, you know, it was just an accident, just a bit, you know, you slid up, it's not that bad. But then, you know, someone says, oh, well, the guy who copped this hit, he's now concussed and out for two years. Like you're going to raise the charge because it's injured the player so much. Like I think it's impossible not to. Um, it's sort of, I don't, I don't know what the word is, it's not common sense, but you know, it makes sense to consider the injury. If it does put a player out long-term, if it's a serious injury from just a misdemeanor on the field, you know, like you get charged longer for murder than you do attempted murder. Type thing. So Phil Gould would, um, I know he's a very avid listener of the crowd catch and he'd be <laughs> shaking your head, disagreeing with you. Because on 100% footy on Monday night, he was very vocal about the fact that just because the seriousness of injury, just because the damage is great, doesn't mean someone has to be punished. Um, just on the basis that accidents happen, it's uh, the game is played at a million knots an hour, it's a physical game accidents happen so and when they do the perpetrator doesn't necessarily uh deserve to be punished well do you agree with him so if you've got one that says it shouldn't one that says it shouldn't but it'll never happen what do you think i'm in your boat i think if it's deliberate you know like for instance if someone you know paul galen in the 2013 origin series well whatever it was when he walks up and um and gives Nate Miles a big right hook to the cheek. Um, let's just say that the damage was a lot worse and he, you know, he dropped on his ass and he had a concussion and, um, you know, he broke, broke, broke his, shattered his cheekbone. Um, you know, that's deliberate, so you consider it. Um, if it's one that's only considered reckless or careless, um, I don't think it should, no. Uh, well, mine's quite similar. It's been the flavour of the week. Um, is six to nine weeks too much for any incident in a rugby league game that can be deemed an accident or argued an accident? So I, I, I think if there's any amount of doubt that it was intentional and there can be that 1% chance it was an accident, is six to nine weeks too much? Oh, I don't think you, could, you should consider what's argued. You know, argue it till the cows come home. At the end of the day, if it's deliberate, it's deliberate and you go this way. If it's not, you, you, you go this way. I mean, everyone's got a different argument out there. But what I'm saying is if, if there's an incident on a rugby league field which you can claim some accident or there's a chance that that play didn't mean to do it, is slapping with him with nine weeks too much? And I'm not just saying this Luttrell one, but I'm ending down the track. Is that a too great a punishment, Jimmy? Yes. Yes, I think it is. I've, I've said this before um, on the podcast. I, I think maybe last year we did a red light, green light on our oh, NRL suspension's too long. I think, you know, nine weeks, that's, that's huge. Like, that's almost, you know, probably is a third of the season gone. And if you take, take a look at, 
you know, suspensions in the in soccer or something, if they get a red card, they miss one or two weeks. Yeah. And, you know, they're not out for very long in the grand scheme of things, you know, one or two weeks. I think the weight of suspensions in the NRL should change. Like, nine weeks is huge. You know, maybe we strip it back. So, you know, missing one week is the equivalent to missing two or three. Missing two weeks is the equivalent to missing four or five. Missing three weeks, you know, it goes up. But it just reduces the amount of weeks these players are going to be missing. You know, you can maybe if you want to keep slapping them on the wrist, up the fines, you know, they're, they're well paid. They'll, they'll cop it on the chin. But I think it's ridiculous that a nine-week suspension can be rolled out for something that is an accident. I'm completely in a there. I don't care what people say about Latrelli, mate. Be a bit of a grubby footballer. But um, given the intensity of that game, the speed of that tackle, if I stood there and held a party pie and I said, Latrell, now I want you to sprint across as fast as you can with three other guys in set tackle. And I want you to hit the party pie out of my hand with your shoulder. He's not going to do that every time. It, it may have been a little bit careless, but the, the speed of that, I don't even think you can say that. What, what the fuck is, is careless? You're playing a game of rugby league. You're trying to knock this guy who's a danger on his ass. You're both running at a million miles an hour. And he's got nine weeks for it. Um, well, it's now going to be six. And this um, this loading system's got to go. Um, I, I, I don't think it's fair that players should be judged on past history because what it does is for a player who's really well behaved, it might get their sentence shortened. But doubling someone like Luttrell, um, I don't like that either. So I, I think if they continue down this bracket, you know, rugby league's just going to be such a soft game. And, now, I'm just going to make a couple of comparisons for the listeners. Um, I spoke about Curtis Scott punching Dylan Walker in the face. Broke his eye socket, so same injury. He got eight weeks. And we think back to... And that was deliberate. Completely deliberate. Punches him in the face, breaks his eye socket, the same injury. And, and, it's, and it's also the image. He's not just running and trying to tackle. He's pretending he's, he's up at four in the morning. Knowing that he's going to break the rule. Aiming yeah. to hurt the player. Then you've got the Mitchell Pierce dog saga, front page news, everything. I, I, I thought that was blown out of proportion personally, but instead of opening up that can of worms, that off the field incident was only, I think, eight weeks, seven weeks, I think, for that one. How long's Paul Vaughan been slapped? How long until he can play again if he were to sign with the dogs tomorrow? Uh, well, I he's signed with the dogs. Yeah, well, I think it's eight games. Eight games. Yeah. And they're, they're getting Latrell for nine. Oh, it's just, that's, that's, that's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, look, there, there are, there are factors. There are many factors, aren't there? And one of them, I think you've got to agree is that Latrell Mitchell is a divisive name. He's a polarizing name. He's a very big name. And you know, the NRL likes to make statements um, when the big name players put a foot wrong. Well, the statement they're making is um, this week Ryan Pappenhausen will go half ass into every tackle because they're playing finals footy regardless. He doesn't want to accidentally cop someone on the shoulder and rub himself out for the final series. I think suspensions were originally introduced to be a deterrent. You know, not so much, you know, try to, you know, say you do something wrong, we're going to put you on the sideline for this long. But... The fact that so many players are still getting suspended just proves that they're not doing it deliberately. Like, they're unavoidable accidents. Like, you know, they're not doing it deliberately, but they're getting such a harsh penalty for it because the NRL is trying to encourage them to play by the rules. They're trying to. But, you know, occasionally you're going to hit someone in the head or you're going to smash into a meat pie on someone's cheekbone. Just to be clear, I think that Latrell Mitchell should have copped a suspension. I, I just do. I think one I, final yeah. game. Well, he definitely I deserves just, a, a suspension for it. But because he he was he was season over. You've got to be accountable for your own actions. Yeah, the um, review can be a little bit more cautious, but I don't think he should have been offered six to nine weeks. No, I think that's it. The and go. Well, two weeks would be one finals game, and <laughs> that's fair. That is a huge loss for a team vying for a premiership. Their first finals game is almost a grand final in itself, considering all the ten previous 
premiership winners, nine of them have had the week off. And I think it's the last eight in a row now. So, I mean, that's a pretty big game for him to miss. And then he's back after that. So It is so. disappointing, isn't it, that just thinking that we won't see Latrell play again this year? Well, I made a tweet yesterday just questioning how the description of the rugby league would be to a debutant making his game. And in 2004, I'm sure it would have been about how physical the game is, you know, the toughest game he's ever played, nothing like anything before. But now it would be the complete opposite. It would be how soft the game is, how careful he's got to be, that if he gets his, um, if he gets a head in the wrong spot coming down, the player will stay down, they'll dive, they'll find a penalty and he'll be off for two weeks. Like, it, it has flipped on its head. I can't wait for the day when instead of, you remember, like, a, a player would make his debut and he'd run out and someone pick him up and drop him on his back and the, the commentator go, oh, welcome to the NRL. Yeah. Well, what's going to happen now? <laughs> is a player's going to make his debut. He's going to go on and pick someone else up, drop them on their back. He's going to get suspended for three weeks and as he's running off the field, the commentator's going to go, oh, welcome to the NRL. <laughs> <laughs> it's lit. All right, it was the flavour of the month. You could probably talk about that for you know, another month, but let's move on. While the NRL is edging ever so close towards their final series, the finals have uh, gotten on the way in the AFL, a couple of cracking games, a couple of heartbreaking games, depending on who you go for. To wrap it all up for us is Zachary. So as always, Gatesy, I've got to stop watching. We've got a big four minutes of AFL to come. You ripper, mate. Let's dive into it. Radio Gates, there's been plenty of suspension talk. How about Toby Green? Well, it's one of the biggest uh, tribunal cases in years. Um, you know, when you consider the superstar status of Toby Green and you know, the fact that you know, the media coverage and the fact that uh, it involved an umpire who, who were considered sacred to the game. Um, look, I think um, what I, I get the sense that uh, the general consensus coming out of this uh, hearing uh, in which Toby Green was wiped out for three matches, so he won't play again this season, um, is that the penalty was a little bit light. Gillan McLaughlin uh, spoke to the press this week and said that the AFL isn't happy. The AFL have been pushing for six games. He's got three. Um, funnily, Toby, Toby Green's camp had been pushing for no suspension and just a fine of a significant fine, twenty dollars to $25,000. Um, look, personally, I'm, you know, I, th- I think... I think I would prefer a heavier suspension, but the main thing is that he's wiped out for the rest of this season. He's not going to play again this season, and that is an almighty blow to him and the Giants. One place he won't be playing then is Perth. It's got the AFL Grand Final. What do you think of that? Well, it's really exciting for Perth, isn't it? Um, you know, you got to feel for the Melburnians. Um, the MCG's contract with the AFL Grand Final has now been extended to 2059 uh, because they're missing out for another year. Two years in a row uh, after it was at the Gabba last year. But um, exciting for Western Australians. And it's I've never been to um, Perth Stadium, but it seems like an absolute belt. A 60,000-seat stadium. Um, the, the AFL has decided on the location, um, yet to decide, has decided on the date. September 25 is yet to decide on the, uh, on the time. Of course, it's a little bit of a tricky one um, because of the, what is it, a three-hour time difference. Um, they have announced that they're not going to start. Um, they're going to start after 2.30. Um, they're probably going to have, as per the eastern states, a twilight, twilight grand final. Um, but, you know, something to look forward to. Um, it should be a cracker. Hey, one of the games this weekend, uh, big one for Geelong. What's, uh, what's going to happen to Chris Scott if Geelong don't get up? Well, he's, um, it's really perplexing, isn't it? I mean, I think, well, he started coaching in 2011 and uh, took the cast to the premiership in his first year. I think he's only missed one final series since then. Um, I believe that was 2015. And um, so I've been very consistent year after year. They're in the top four. Again, this year, they were in the top four. Um, they're no doubt you know, in a premiership window now, shooting for a premiership. You know, you look at the players they already had before this season and, and then to get Jeremy Cameron and Sean Higgins. Um, but his finals record since 2012, I think he's won. I think that uh, Geelong have only won um, one out of their eight 
week one finals games. Um, so that's perplexing. There is heat on him. Um, there's even talk that if Geelong aren't able to beat GWS this week uh, on Friday, that um, he could get the sack and that uh, he might become a prime target for Gold Coast or Carlton, who are, of course, both looking for, or Carlton's looking for a senior coach. Um, Stewie Jew is no doubt under pressure at the Suns as well. Will Willie get the sack, mate, or will Geelong come up and get the win? Let's get your tips. I think he will get the win. I mean, as we mentioned before, Toby Green is a huge loss. I will go Geelong. Um, and as for Brisbane v the Western Bulldogs, I'll um, look, I'm going to go for a smoky there. I'm going to say the Western Bulldogs. Their, their midfield bats really deep and they've got a great uh, brand of footy that stands up in the finals furnace. Um, and look, they're, they're so tough around the contest. <laughs> Right on, 4.20, mate. Go and get yourself a pie. Shout out to our sponsors. <laughs> um, love myself a 4.20 pie. Yeah, good. Love myself 4.20. Um, <laughs> look, if we go back to the rugby leagues, it's a big week coming up. Um, first thing I've got to ask is this amount of player resting. Um, I dare say a lot of the tabloids this morning will be calling for their to be some type of action taken um, if it is a buy-around coming in. I know Wayne Bennett's already uh, kind of skipped the queue and, and said that he doesn't want a buy-around. What are you guys' thoughts of these player restings? I think it's fine. You you earn the right yeah. to rest players. Like it's, a, it's not something every club can do. Um, you know, the Storm are in a fortunate position where they can rest players. The Rabbitohs can. They're up against the Dragons. Um, but you see the Panthers. The Panthers didn't really rest anyone. I don't think they're they're pretty much a full strength side. They are, yeah. They can't they can't afford to because they're not clicking with at like to yeah. Exactly. So well, they'd know, also like to win the minor premiership. Yeah, yeah. So they can win the minor premiership if the Storm lose as well. Um, so, but you know, it's it's doesn't always happen. It's up to the team. Um, and, you know, Wayne Bennett. The Eels uh, and the Storm, I guess, are the main ones. Like the Roosters are fielding the full-strength team. Seagulls, full-strength. Most teams are. It's just a select few that think, you know, at this time of the year, we're in a good spot. We're where we want to be. doesn't matter if we lose. We'll, we'll, we won't risk any injuries. I'm, I'm fine with it. If you look at the players being rested, I'd say that 80 to 90% of them are origin players as well. So they're, they're guys that have had a pretty big workload this year. So... I'm also fine. I love what you said there, that they earn the right to do it. That's what I believe as well. They definitely earn the right to do it. And it's a bit of a paradox, isn't it? I mean, what the AFL did, largely because of uh, Fremantle and North Melbourne resting plays in the final round of the regular season, like a lot of plays, you're talking half of their uh, top 22, was they brought in a bye round, um, the final round before the first week of the finals. Um, but it's a bit of a paradox because they do that because they want the superstars on the paddock, but then in having a buy, you're not seeing anyone on the paddock. Yeah. And, and, and fans, and it's, it's like when, um, you know, during the origin series, when NRL fans were sitting at home and they only had AFL games to watch and, um, how much complaining was there on Twitter just about the fact that, you know, there was nothing to watch on TV. Big time, I reckon that's a good way to put it. Um, well, who does win the minor premiership from here? I mean, Melbourne, they have rested a lot of superstars, but they've still got Pap at one, Jerome Hughes uh, paired with Nico Hines, and then Brandon Smith, Harry Grant on the bench. They've still got their full spine, um, and then sprinkled with a couple of good plays in the forwards and the backs. So is that a good enough team to beat the Sharks on its own? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, I had a look at the Storm team and the, the lineup, and I think the Storm probably still have a bit too much class. It's it's not the worst team. Like, and they've, they've rested a, a handful of players, but it's still, you know, that team would still probably be first. Um, you know, with the way, the way um, Craig Bellamy has them humming, and, you know, so um, I think the Storm will win and maintain that minor premiership, even though. Um, I think the Panthers will win as well up against a bit of a weaker parasite. But, you know, that's the top four decided pretty much when you think about that. So um, we can start planning our finals viewing already. 
Yeah, all those Melbourne Storm supporters out there, yeah, they'll be cheering. I, I think they'll um, win the minor premiership. And, of course, the Storm had a shock loss to the Eels on the weekend after winning uh, 19 games in a row. So Craig Bellamy will have some fire in his belly after that. Yeah, Melbourne very rarely lose twice, but how good was it seeing them lose to Parramatta? For two reasons, of course. One, because Melbourne lost. But two, it kind of just brings another contender back into the premiership race. Uh, not a strong favourite, but uh, look, it was a great all-round victory for the NRL, I thought. So I was really excited to see that one. Yeah, and that, that's a huge confidence boost for the Eels. You know, no... Um, well, the Storm have lost three games this year. Um, one of the Panthers, two to the Eels. So, you know, they can take so much confidence out of that, knowing that they're the only team that's been able to beat them twice this year. The only team that hasn't lost to the Storm, every other team can't. So they can take that attitude into any game and know, well, we're a better side than you. We can beat the Storm. So it definitely brings the Eels back into contention. I don't think a lot of people are talking about them, but they're in there now. Mate, Melbourne Storm are beatable. I said last week that they kind of just been treading water and there hasn't been a good enough team to come and sink them. But, I mean, gave up a 10-0 lead to the Titans uh, a couple of games before that. Looked iffy. They haven't been playing great footy. Um, and, I mean, that's a Parramatta team missing their strike weapon on the wing, missing Reed Mahoney, and just completely just outplayed them. And all of a sudden, now they're going to go into the first round of the finals playing a very good team, probably a manly team firing in all cylinders. Um, and they've looked clunky. And a lot of their players won't have played for two weeks. And um, those combinations, I still don't think are eight. So Melbourne are beatable here. Yeah, well, I think they're definitely still the favourites. Um, no. You don't reckon? Uh, they'll be the favourites. But, I, 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 yeah, I don't. I, I, I think I think Panthers on their day, Panthers can play their best footy. I think from what I've just seen from Melbourne, not not just last week, but as I said, the last month of footy since I've had all their superstars back, I don't think they're the um, they're the bee's knees, no. But we know we know how tight they can be um, on the field, and I mean like how disciplined they can be and how prolific they can be in attack with the superstars they have on the paddock and Craig Bellamy looking after them. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah, I mean, Panthers deserve to be right up there. Probably, they're definitely still the two front runners, of course. But, yeah, it's exciting that they have had that loss. Uh, but sometimes, you know, teams on a roll, they need that loss. A lot of people were saying for Penrith last year, the best thing they could do is lose before coming into the finals. So... It may work in their favour, so we'll see how we go. Jimmy, how about yourself, mate? You've probably been crunching all the math. Um, are the Raiders going to be making the eight? Yes. We weren't going to hear another answer. Where we <laughs> so that would, I believe, Raiders need to win against the Roosters on Thursday night. The Sharks need to lose to the Storm. If that's the case, it doesn't matter about the Titans game. Yeah. That's basically it. Um, and, so, you know, like we touched on before, pretty sure the, uh, the Storm will beat the Sharks. Uh, so hopefully that one takes care of itself. The only thing I'm worried about is us beating the Roosters. It's obviously a pretty big grudge match between us since 2019. Um, so there's going to be a lot, of, uh, a lot of drive from the Raiders, I think. Um, I think the Raiders have a lot more in their tank coming into this match um, than the Roosters. You know, there's a lot more to play for than the Raiders. But the Roosters do actually get some reinforcements back. Um, their team's stronger than it has in the past week. You know, Angus Crichton's back. Chad Ruira Hargraves is back from last week. Uh, Josh Morris is back. Matt Ikevalu. So their back line looks a lot better. Um, Sam Walker's been moved to the bench. Um, and they've got pretty ex- inexperienced halves. But it's going to be a cracking game. I reckon it's the, the game of the round, um, just with all the other restings and so much. So this... This game could decide the, you know, the bottom eighth spot. So, um, yeah, it's a cracker. I think the Raiders will get the win. I think it's not going to be a pretty win. But, um, you know, I can see it's similar to what happened last week against the Warriors, just wanting it a bit more and uh, getting over getting over them in the end. The top four race is riveting, isn't it? 
Seagulls, Eels and Roosters, fourth, fifth and sixth, all on 32 points. Only split by uh, percentage, all vying for that fourth spot on the ladder. Well, it is riveting, but it's also, I mean, if the Seagulls go out and win their game, which is a very favourable matchup, um, and they, you know, full strength team as they come in to take on the Cowboys, have only, I mean, we know how bad the Cowboys have been. The Seagulls will get it. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens, not just with that game, but if for some reason the Eels and Roosters were to lose. I know the Supercoach world is expecting a 11th hour roster change where you wouldn't play Tom Trevojevic if, if you've secured the top four before you go onto the field. So that could be a very interesting game just with all the other scenarios playing out around them. Yeah, there's definitely still going to be a bit of gamesmanship to come. A few late restings, you know, players being brought off early this round. Um, you know, you see it every year. Yeah. The teams try to rest their players. Um, chaos for Supercoach. But, yeah. um, you know, that's just the state of play at this time of year. I don't expect Tommy Turbo to play at all after 60 minutes. They'll have the game wrapped up by then and they'll put him on ice. Yeah, put the Ferrari back in the shed. Yeah. Speaking of Ferraris, Jimmy is cruising in the fast lane at the moment. In Thanks, trivia. mate. <laughs> that must have hurt to say. <laughs> yeah. You heard it and you picked it. It is time for trivia. Let's dive into it. Jack, mate, give us a score update. I can, mate. Uh, you're sitting in the middle of the pack on 21. Out on the front runner is Jimmy on 24. And um, I'm just coming around the bend at the moment, on, around the bend at the moment on 18. It's always the highlight of the podcast, letting Jack read out the scores when you're sitting in first. Radio, well, see if you can extend them. I'll go first, boys. Question number one, hands on your buzzers. What year did Cristiano Ronaldo leave Manchester United? Ooh. I have to listen very closely to your uh, what caught my eye at the front of the podcast, Jimmy, to see if it sounded like you may have been in and around that with your study. But I think I probably would have read it, but it hasn't sunk in completely. Uh, 2008. Not 2008. The year Manly beat Melbourne 40 0 in the grand final. Um, 2007. No, you should have been going the other side of it and you would have got it. It was 2009. Did he debut in 2007? No, no. I think he came to United in about 2003, 2004. Right. Uh, around there, left in 2009. Um, of course, I was went to of, Real Madrid. Yeah. I was thinking of 2007 for some reason. B for 07, great game. Not sure. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> anyway, uh, a bit of a what uh, have you been paying attention, I should say. Uh, US Open is on at the moment. Andy Murray played out a drama field first round of the US Open against Sissipas. What was the Scots wardrobe problem? So, Andy Murray's wardrobe, pro- wardrobe problem. Wardrobe problem, yeah. Or Sissipas? The Scot, Andy Murray. The wardrobe problem. Andy Murray's Scottish or is he Welsh? No, he's Scottish. Scottish. Yeah. I know. Yeah. What was his wardrobe problem? Well, by, by the sounds of things, Sitsipas had a wardrobe problem because he had about, he took, what, a two-hour two hour break to drop his kids off at the pool. <laughs> yeah, well, it's drama field. It was a five-setter. Murray's still having digs at him about that, but that was um, a, a problem with Murray's wardrobe, which really hurt his chances of winning that game. Sounds like... Are you going to have guesses or...? Okay, I'll guess. Cayman. Do I have to say what happened or can I just guess the ice in my clothing? No. Come on, mate. Um, Let's, we should just wrap this question up. We've missed it. What is it, Jack? No. Jimmy can have a Settle guess. down, Gates. You can concede <laughs> defeat if you want. I'm going after the point. Go on, I'm going to say... It was his shoes. Yep. Something happened with his shoes. Not enough. 
Okay, well, the bottom of his his soul blew up, like they popped out. Like, you know what I mean? Close, but no cigar. Okay, I will what? say he had. I will say he had <laughs> problems with blisters in his in his shoes. No, um, that's not so a wardrobe problem. Andy Murray was sweating a lot. Um, there was a couple of problems because he's wearing white clothing that you know you could see a good outline down the bottom by the end of the game but the sweat draped through to the bottom of his shoes and he was slipping around the court so he changed shoes had the same problem there was actually a portable air conditioner on the side of the court which he was trying to dry out his b pair of shoes as he was playing uh, but was slipping all over the place because the sweat had come through into his soles it was was a bit different oh well well two go bagging there but let's see if you can pick up i'll go next Alrighty, boys. I reckon both of these will go off here, so let's see how good you are. Uh, it's round 25 of the NRL at the moment. Obviously, the last round. Thinking back to round one, what was the first game of the year? Zach. Rabbit Storm. He's got it. Very down well at, done, Gatesy. Down at Melbourne Rectangular Stadium. <laughs> back when things were a little more normal at the start of the year. All right. So, second one here. This is a cracker. Got this off a bottle top over the weekend. What was the first sport to have its referees use whistles? Referees slash umpires. Whatever you want to call them. Wankers, I usually call them. Um, Water polo. No. I will say soccer. Good guess. That's what I thought we'd more go along the lines of. I didn't, wasn't expecting water polo. But uh, no, it's rugby union. Oh, I was tossing up between rugby union and soccer. Yeah, I thought, you know, think of old sports, what's been around a while. Rugby union was actually the first yeah. to use a whistle. That shows my trust in your questions. <laughs> <laughs> water polo, I was not expecting. <laughs> didn't think there was any way in hell you were going to be throwing up a soccer or footy, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, mate, just tricked you. All right. So we mentioned Dale Stain earlier. He, um, out of pace bowlers, he sits fifth on the all-time wickets leaderboard. Who sits fourth? Jack. Oh, out of pace bowlers, not all out, bowlers. Out of pace bowlers. Oh, okay. Dale Stain is fifth on 439 test wickets. Who's fourth? Jack's phoning a friend, I think. I'm didn't, Jack, didn't Jack buzz? No, nah, put it back. You can't buzz and then unbuzz. <laughs> you're going um, to fire off an answer, mate. Radio, well, I know the top two, and I've got a feeling this guy would be in the top five where he comes in if it's fourth or third. So I'm going to say the big man from the Windies, Courtney Walsh. You are correct. Very well done. I had absolutely zero idea on that one. What's the... So, I guess you got Jimmy Anderson, Glenn McGrath, Courtney Walsh, Dale Stain. What's the last one there? Well, third is actually Stuart Broad. And Broad, right, yeah. He's up to 524 wickets. It, it's been it's been an incredible era for English fast bowling. Ah, fair enough. Right, yeah, we'll wrap us up, mate. Alrighty. West Coast won the 2018 AFL Premiership. Who was the coach? <laughs> Pass. <laughs> You're gonna ask who they played. No, I was I was all up and around for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I can only name two coaches in the AFL. <laughs> I mean, John Longmire has been at the Swans for a while now, so I don't think it's him. So, yeah, no. Nah. It's Adam Simpson, and he's still coaching West Coast. So that one went begging. Oh, there you go. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Well, Gates, here's a punishment, mate. You can go first on your three things. No, mate, you can you can go first. Come on. <laughs> Does that mean you haven't got any? Well, um, you're, well, you're giving them, I'll sort out what mine are. Okay, right, yeah. Um, my short thing is for Nathan Cleary to cross the line against Para. I think it might be a little bit of a bloodbath, and when the Panthers are playing well, Cleary is running the ball. My pressure cooker is Harry Grant and Ryan Pappenhausen. The comments started after their loss that they haven't looked as good since those two stars returned and Bellamy's been trying to get, well, I guess play 
a bit of a juggling act with uh, Ryan Pappenhausen and Nico Hines and then Harry Grant and Brandon Smith. It was Michael Ennis that came out and said he thinks they're playing better before those two players became available. And I happen to agree. So, um, yeah, look, I think the pressure cooker is on those two players. They'll both get a crack this weekend. My one to watch is Arsenal. Worst ever start in the English Premier League for Arsenal. Three games, no goals. And a couple of drubbings as well. They are bottom, bottom of the Premier League table after spending more money than anyone else in the transfer window. Keep an eye on Arsenal at the moment. They are just the gift that keeps on giving. (laughs) Spoken like a true Everton fan. Uh, my sure bet uh, this week, um, I'm I'm going all in on my Raiders to beat the Roosters. Um, you know, it's a must-win game for them, so I'm I'm going in with them as well. Pressure cooker, I've got Nick Kyrgios. Uh, suffered convincing straight sets defeat uh, in the US Open. Um, I think, you know, poor old Nick. He's very entertaining, but it, it could be time to retire and move into commentary already. Uh, and my one to watch, uh, the battle for the minor premiership, whether the Storm or the Panthers will claim the minor premiership. It's on the line this week. Uh, let's see how it plays out. I'm not sure if I could deal with Nick Kyrgios in, um, Nick Kyrgios in commentary. He'd be sitting there saying bro every second word. I think but, it'd be um, great commentary. <laughs> what did you make of that point, Nick? Well, I just can't get over the fact that they didn't give him a towel. <laughs> <laughs> he just wants a water, bro. <laughs> oh, bro. Oh, bro. Um, all right. My sure bet is Cody Waitman, um, the rising dog star, to kick three goals. Um, I think he kicked four on the weekend and um, all of them came off three kicks. Uh, so he copped a bit of flack for that, even though it was the uh, umpire blowing the whistle. But um, he's a star. I love watching him play. He'll get amongst the goals again in this Lions class. He'll kick three goals. Um, in the pressure cooker, I've got the FIA. They've um, come under fire uh, for several reasons this season, for um, track limits and um, on-track incidents. And again, on the weekend at the Belgium Grand Prix um, because of the rain. And um, Lewis Hamilton came out and blasted them. Quite, quite a few of the races did um, and a lot of fans because they decided to go ahead with the race eventually. And it was only a two-lap race. So really, it wasn't pure racing. Uh, the... the um, the fans didn't enjoy it, yet they ticked off a race on the calendar. FIA, um, they've been under pressure for, for multiple controversies this year. And my wonder watch is uh, when the Formula One Grand Prix this week goes to the Netherlands. It's good to have you back, Gates. Yeah, I was a bit worried about you in recent weeks, mate. Oh, well, mate, we had a summer break. I was... I was I tell you what, I had a cup of rocket fuel at 11 o'clock on Sunday night and uh, to strap in for a big night of Formula One. And 2.30, I was still sitting there on the couch and um, the race hadn't even started, so I went to bed. Well, how good's rocket fuel? Last time I had <laughs> rocket fuel, it was uh, in Stonework at uni. More on that later. (laughs) (laughs) Look, uh, that brings us to the close of another episode. As we've touched on, a big week in sport. Of course, we've also got the Paralympics and the US Open firing up as well as our uh, football codes here in Australia. So enjoy the sport, but most importantly, keep your eye on the prize. Keep your eye on that ball because you never know when another crowd catch might just come your way. Bye. Hooroo.